What is up, local church? Hope you guys are doing good. Thank you for tuning in with us today as we wrap up our three-week recap of our series from last year, Dusty Christians, talking about what it means to really live our lives modeled after Jesus, our rabbi. So pumped that you are here with us. Hope you're doing good. Hope everything is well with you. We love having people tune in really from all over the world. And we're just pumped that you would choose to spend some of your time with us today. Before we dive into the word, let's pray. Father, we love you so much. God, we're so thankful for your word. And we're so thankful for the fact that it can speak to us, God, in a brand new way every time we, we open it up, God, every time we lean into it today. So that's what we choose to do today. For the next 25, 30 minutes, Father, we choose to lean in and ask that you would speak to us, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were to look up in the dictionary, church kid, you'd probably find a picture of me beside it. Church kids, we're kind of our own breed. We're weird on like a bunch of different levels. Grew up, you know, some people say it's like I was born in the pew and I just, you know, I was, a, I was exposed to so many great things, a couple weird things, you know. Um, for example, you know, uh, we were taught Bible stories by vegetables. Um, you know, you had Bob the tomato, Larry the Cucumber. In fact, you know, before there was Marvel, before there was Captain America, there was, there was Larry Boy. Larry Boy. Now, I kid you not, this was a superhero based on a cucumber, and he had plungers on his helmet, um, and uh, I, I may or may not have gone to, not a, this is another weird, you know, church kid thing. I didn't go to a Halloween party or go trick-or-treating dressed as Larry Boy. I went to a harvest party. This is what we would do at church. We wouldn't go trick-or-treating. We would go to the harvest party. And I just, you know, as if that wasn't church kid enough, I thought, you know what, I'm going to take it up a notch. I'm going to go dressed as Larry Boy. And, you know, we would also, you know, you'd have people uh, dressed up as like, you know, a lion, but like, it was like clear that it was like, you know, from like Daniel and the lion's den. You know, basically people would just steal all of the costumes from like the Christmas production and like, like, oh, I guess we'll just bust these out early and use them. Church kids were weird, you know. Um, we weren't allowed to wear uh, or we weren't allowed to watch. Um, there definitely was some things we weren't allowed to wear. I don't think I've ever worn a shirt with a skull on it. I think if I'm 30 years old and I think I would still feel guilty and I would still not want to tell my mom if I did. So I'm just avoiding it still to this day. Um, but something you weren't allowed to watch, you know, for some reason, you know, Narnia, all good. There's a little bit of sacrifice in there, you know, when Aslan's on the stone table, there's like some demonic type things, but ah, all good. Totally fine. Totally okay. Lord of the Rings. Oh, it's all good. You know, ring race, ah, you know, Gollum, orcs. You know what though? Totally okay. Church kids, go ahead and watch it. But then there's this little boy, 11-year-old boy named Harry, who just wants to go get an education for himself at the school called Hogwarts. And all of a sudden, all the Christian parents are up in arms. But it's okay, you know. So, okay, I'm not still mad about it. You know, I've worked through it. I'm processing it still. Church kids were weird. I don't know if any other uh, church kids out there also did this thing that was weird. Um, you know, I, I, this is something that I personally uh, found happening throughout my life. You know, it's kind of a classic experience. Um, you know, you're a youth group or you're, you know, you're, you're away at a conference or a retreat and somebody would get up and they would begin to share their testimony. They begin to share 
the darkest moments of their life and how God saved them and how God redeemed them. And as a church kid, I don't know if it was anybody else, I used to get testimony envy. I, testimony envy. They'd be like, yeah, so like, you know, I was just like strung out on drugs. And I was just like, no way, that's crazy. No, that's so cool. <laughs> They'd be like, yeah, so then I was living on the streets. And I was like, I love the streets. Wow. And it's like, I, I had grown up so sheltered and there was so much that I hadn't experienced in my life. It's not that I was like, oh my gosh, I really want to do drugs. But it was like this weird, like I, there was all of these things that I, I, I hadn't experienced and didn't know anything about. And I'd hear somebody get up and talk about them. And I was like, that's crazy. You know, I'd look at my life and I think there was a time that I didn't even think that I really had a testimony. You know, I'd hear stories of people who had just been in the worst situations and how God had just done something so radical in their life. And then I'd look at my life that honestly had gone pretty well up until that point. And I'd look and be like, I don't really know like if I have a testimony. What I'm learning is that I think that that was actually kind of a, a skewed idea of what a testimony is, you know, an incorrect idea of what a testimony is. I used to think that a testimony was just about the past, but what I'm learning more and more as I get older is that a testimony is also about the right now. That your testimony is also about the way that Jesus is shaping and forming your life right now today. As you're growing more in your discipleship with him, as you are experiencing his love and his grace in refreshing and life-changing ways every day, looking more and more like him, today is your testimony. That's the title of my sermon today. Today is your testimony. Your testimony doesn't just end the moment that you're saved. Your testimony is continually being written as you live a life that is holy and set apart and determined to live a life following in the footsteps of our rabbi. A working definition of, of testify is this, serve as evidence or proof, proof of something's existing or being the case. That it's testified, it's you wanna serve as evidence or proof of something's existing or being the case. So what is it about your life? What is it about our lives today that give evidence, that gives proof to what Jesus has done, to who Jesus is, to how he is, how he had, and how he is continually changing our life and at work within us? It's testifying about not only who he was, but who he is and who, he'll, who he will continue to be, that he's changing us from the inside out every single day. Matthew chapter five, verses 13 through 16 says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Your life is meant to be salty. Your life is meant to shine, to stand out, to be seen. It's meant to testify, 
to tell the story of the gospel, to tell of who Jesus is and what he does. Writing to the church in Galatia, the Apostle Paul describes a life that is marked by the Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 25. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness and orgies, and the like. Whoa! It says it in the Bible? Yeah, you need to read your Bible more. I warn you, the Apostle Paul says, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there's one way to live. But the Apostle Paul goes on and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Paul is letting us know that the people who have been marked by the Spirit of God ought to live radically different than the world around them. They ought to be salty. They ought to be a different flavor. They ought to be shining. They meant, they, they're meant to be like a city on a hill that when the world is into all of this messed up stuff and focused on all the wrong things, people who are marked by the Spirit of God will live differently than the world around them. I hate to break it to you, but the way of Jesus, it's not about conforming. It's not about fitting in. It's not about going with the flow or allowing the world to tell us how to live our lives. But the way of Jesus is about standing in contrast to the world and to prophetically live according to kingdom principles and to be a living testimony, to, to be the proof, to be the evidence of Jesus's grace, to be the evidence of the story of the gospel. Like I said, we've been recapping our, our series from last year called Dusty Christians, what it means to be covered in the dust of our rabbi. The, it's this word picture that, that the disciples, that disciples would follow their rabbi so closely and, and as they walked, as they journeyed with them, that in you know ancient you know uh, ancient Middle Eastern times, this it, that the sandals that it would kick up dust and that that it would cover the people that were following the rabbi. This is a picture of what it means to to be discipled by Jesus, to follow him in such a way that it marks us, to follow him in such a way that we get covered in the dust of our rabbi, to follow him so closely and so intently that we can't help but be marked by his spirit and live as a testimony to his story. This is what it means to be a dusty Christian. So today I want to talk about some of the things that keep us dusty. Some of the things that are a testimony to the story of Jesus and our relationship with him. I want to talk about three rhythms, three rhythms that we can implement. The people of God for centuries and centuries lived their lives and, and followed, followed the, their father, followed God according to principles and according to patterns. To rhythms, you know, they had festivals and ceremonies and traditions. These were meant to be things that, as we read earlier in the words of Paul, kept them 
in step with the Lord, to keep in step with the Spirit. So today I want to talk about three rhythms that will keep us dusty, that will keep our testimony fresh, that can make it so that today is your testimony. The first rhythm is this, to meet with Him daily. Nothing will transform or mark your life more than making the decision to intentionally spend time with God every single day, every single day. You know, just in the same way that we plan our days around meals, some more than others, probably me more than others, but in the same way that we plan our, our days or our, or our get-togethers or our hangouts, usually around meals, we need to plan our days around receiving the daily bread of time spent with Him. I once heard a preacher say this, if you don't spend time with, one, with God for one day, you'll notice it. If you don't spend time with God for a few days, your family and friends will notice it. If you don't spend time with God for a long stretch, everyone around you will notice it. I want to kind of re reimagine this and I want to kind of paint it in positive light. I think it's probably a little bit more helpful. Spend time with God for one day and you'll notice it. Spend time with God for a few days. Your family and friends will notice it. Spend time with God for a long stretch consistently and the world won't be able to help but notice that you are covered in dust, that you are different, that you are a living testimony of the story of Jesus. Our lives are meant to stand out. Like in Acts 4, we see Peter and John do some incredible ministry and everybody's talking about these guys. And it's like, aren't these just normal dudes? Aren't, weren't these guys fishermen? Like, who are these guys? But there's something about them that's different. They're doing these amazing things. They're talking in these incredible ways. It says that they were normal, unschooled men. But people could tell, the word says, that they had been with Jesus, that they had been marked by time spent with him. John chapter 15, abide in me and I in you, Jesus says. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The Greek word for uh, abide here, the original language that this was written in, is meno. Meno, and it means to not, to not to depart. Sorry. Not to depart. To continue to be present. To be held. Kept continually. When we talk about spending time with Jesus every day, you know, reading the Bible, prayer, silence and solitude, what these really are, these are all practicing abiding. These are all practicing this, this idea of continually being present with Him. You see, abiding reminds our souls that the only chance, the only chance that we have of a fruitful and flourishing life is if we do it hand in hand with Him every single day. Not departing from His presence, continually being present with Him, continually being held and kept by Him. Every day we can wake up and be reminded of His promises, of the good news of His grace, of how we've been forgiven, healed, set free. We're reminded of the hope that we have in Him. Every day, 
We can wake up and be reminded of the promises of the good news of his grace. Every day, we need to put our lives on the altar and say, Lord, my life is so much better off in your hands. I surrender control to you fully. Every day, we can boldly approach the throne of grace and say, Lord, I'm sorry for falling short. Would you please forgive me and teach me how to live according to your words? This is abiding. This marks us. When we are intentionally carving out time in our schedule to spend time with him every single day, this marks us. A couple weeks ago, I just had a son, my first, my first uh, born kid. His name is Charlie, and he's just absolutely the best in um, he doesn't do it quite as much anymore, but the first couple weeks and first month or so of him being born, he really just slept really, really well on both of our chests. Still does it with Jane. I'm a little bit jealous of it, not with me anymore, but I, I, make, him, I, I make him smile. And I, you know, we play together all the time, but Jane just comforts him so well. Um, and, uh, but, but when he would, uh, it, was, it was so cool one, one day, maybe not cool for him, but uh, one morning, uh, you know, he just wouldn't go down. And from about five to seven, um, I had him asleep on my chest and uh, kind of doing skin to skin. And uh, so this is happening. And then a couple, he wakes up at seven and he actually had this big mark on his face and, and it didn't really go away. It wasn't one of just like those sleep things, but it was there all day. And we were kind of, you know, new, you know, we're new parents and we never had a kid before. So we're like, oh my God, what did we do wrong? But we just, you know, figured it was, we, we kind of looked into it and turns out it was just a heat rash. And it went away, you know, within like, you know, by the end of the day, it was totally okay. You know, he isn't scarred or anything like that. But man, it marked him. Time spent intimately with his father marked him. And this is what happens when we spend time with him every single day. When we lean in and lean in close to him and say, God, I need you. God, I, I can't get through this day without you. God, I can't flourish. God, I can't be fruitful without you. God, I need to continue to be present. When we do that, it marks us. It covers us in dust. Mark 135. Speaking of Jesus, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. We see here that even Jesus needed to abide. Even the Son of God needed to practice abiding. He needed to practice continuing to be present with his Father. If Jesus had to, how much more do we? You know, and I've never... I've never really noticed it. I don't know if I was just reading a different translation, but I've never noticed that word desolate before. Some translations say secluded, but desolate, it really jumped off the page to me. And in the Greek, it, it's this word aremos, and it means solitary, lonely, desolate, uninhabited, a desert, wilderness, an uncultivated region fit for pasturage. Honestly, sometimes that's how it feels when I get up in the morning. It feels lonely. It feels desolate. It's when I spend time with him, sometimes it's like, I'm all alone. Oh my gosh, my phone is away. This is so weird. Like it goes against kind of all of the like modern laws of what I need to, to honestly, for anything to significant really to happen in my life. It feels desolate. This verse in Isaiah 51 though says this, for the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes 
her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and the voice of song. God is saying this to us today, that if you devote yourself to the desolate place, that if you devote yourself to the Eremos, that he will cause something new to bubble up on the inside of you. He will cause your life to flourish. He will cause your life to be fruitful. He will mark your life. And I just felt led to, to really just take a second and just kind of pray and declare over any person here who it's like, you just, you've been trying this for so long, you've been trying to figure out your rhythm, and it just feels like you haven't been able to nail it down. I know it's so hard, but I just got, I'm just going to take a second. Lord, I pray for any person here who's just been struggling to really make this a part of their their daily walk, their daily life. God, I pray that this verse in Isaiah would, it would be a prophetic a signpost for them that there would be that the it would be like a, a an Eden Lord that there would be a flourishing that something new would bubble up that it would be life giving it would be life changing that these moments spent with you that it would finally click that they'd finally find the rhythm Lord thank you Father continue to seek after and continue to abide and watch as your life flourishes watch as your life is marked the second rhythm gather and worship with other believers weekly. Hebrews chapter 10, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Psalm 95, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. You can absolutely experience Jesus on your own, but it is not enough to sustain a thriving relationship with him. Coming together with other believers every week to worship, to learn from the word together, to take communion together, it injects your faith. It injects your relationship with God with zeal, with passion, with fire, and with life. It's more than just a religious activity or a checkbox. It's something that we desperately need to become fully formed disciples of him. Parents, I'm new to the game, but I was a youth pastor for four years. I'm just, I just want to quickly say, the weekly rhythm that you should commit your child to, more than anything, it's not sports, it isn't play dates, it isn't music lessons. The weekly rhythm that you should commit your child to more than any other thing is gathering and worshiping with other believers. Those other things are great, but none of them will transform or mark your child's soul like committing to come to church every week, to worship with other believers. It does something so significant for your soul. Do not neglect meeting together. Don't give up on meeting together. Two things happen when we come together and worship. The first is when we come together to worship, we invite Jesus to meet us in a unique way. We know this about Jesus. He's omnipresent. He's, he was the original everything, everywhere, all at once. The first rhythm wouldn't make sense if this weren't true. If we couldn't just hit pause wherever we were in our life and just say, Jesus, I need to meet with you. And man, he's so faithful. He, he meets us in those moments. That's because he's omnipresent. God is everything. He's everywhere all the time. See, there's God's personal presence, 
But then there's God's corporate presence. And this is something I think that anybody who's been coming to church for a while gets. There's something about coming together and worshiping together and sitting under teaching together and hanging out together. At There's something about it that's different. There's something about it that's significant, that's unique, that's special. It's unique from the way that I meet with Jesus on my own. Like the times that I've met with Jesus in such unique ways when I've been standing in a room with, it could be 50 other believers. I've been in rooms with almost 10,000 other believers. And it's just, it's different than when I'm with Jesus on my own. Both are not, not one's maybe, one isn't maybe better than the other, but they're different. They're unique. And we need both. There's been time after time where honestly, I encounter God in the most personal way. And I'm surrounded by thousands of other people. There's something about it. Psalm 22 says, yet you are holy. You who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. So when we come together to praise him, when we come together to worship him, to minister to him, which by the way, it's the church's first goal to minister to him, to give him glory, to give him honor. That's why we do this first and foremost. When we do that, when we minister to him, it's wheeling out the throne for him to come and sit on. It's like bringing out extra chairs when you have people over. It's wheeling out the throne and saying, God, would you please come? Would you please meet with us? Matthew 18 says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. That means that whenever we gather together, we can expect him to show up. We can expect him to move. We can expect him to take his seat, to take his rightful place on the throne. When we come together to worship, we invite Jesus to meet us in a unique way. That's why we gather. That's why we gather to worship. Secondly, when we come together to worship, we are built up. See, consistently coming to church creates a weekly space for us to be exposed to things that build us up, that strengthen our faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. I love our church. I love local church so much because it's made up of so many unique people with so many unique different gifts. Even if you were just to look at the people who speak, like we have so many unique, unique speakers, so many people with different life experiences. And it's, it's just really, really amazing. It's cool. And then it becomes even more true as you look at the teams and the people that are part of our church across the board. And I love that so much because some people, you know, if we're looking at this verse in first Corinthians, hymns are their jam and I'm like songs praising God. And I'm saying like on stage or off stage, like you ever just been blessed by somebody. They're not even, they're not the worship leader. They're not even one of the musicians, but like, it's just somebody in the crowd who is just like full out heart abandoned, seeking after the Lord and it blesses you. It's like, man, I love people like that. That builds me up. That builds us up when we, when we encounter and we experience hymns together. Every week when we come together, there's lessons to be learned. We come under the word of God. We can, we can learn, you know, the context of the scriptures and we can, we can see what God was trying to say to the people back then and how it applies to us today. On top of that, we can just learn lessons from people who are different ages or in different stages or just have different life experiences than us. It's really incredible. We're built up just from the lessons that, lear that we learn. 
revelations, tongues, interpretations. Some people in our church, man, I'm not saying that not, you know, some people aren't, but some people definitely more than others. Hello, LL crew. Some people who are just in sync with the spirit and we get to benefit from what God is speaking to them. Gathering together matters. It's such an important and powerful part of your ongoing testimony. It's so, so, so good for our faith to come together, to be at church week in, week out. It's not about, you know, try, we, don't, we don't even count how many people come to church on Sundays. We're not trying to meet some kind of threshold. We're not trying to be a big church. We're just trying to be a church that really loves God, that really honors Him, and we believe and really can grow in our faith and can really experience life to the degree that He has called us to. And it just makes it, it's clear when we look at His Word that He prioritizes gathering together, so we should too. Third rhythm, live life in community. As busy as life gets, as much as sometimes we believe the lie that we're better off on our own, I'm just here to tell you today that you were created to live your life in the context of community. To have people in your life that you can be your best and worst with. To have people that you can flourish and fall with. A community that is wholeheartedly, honestly raw and unfiltered. That is just, you know, we're messy, but we're a family. We need that for our faith. We need that for our testimony. You know, it's so important to, to focus on the everyday personal, like meeting with him and abiding with him and, and the weekly gathering of the church. Those things are important. But we also have to recognize that the kind of life that God has in mind for us is meant to take place as a whole in the context of community. Ecclesiastes chapter four, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. And if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 27. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Simply put, you become the best version of yourself when you are shaped and marked by a godly community. You become the most like Jesus when you are shaped and marked by a godly community. And I love this rhythm because it gives spiritual purpose to everyday things. Now, I'm not just grabbing coffee with a friend or going to group, enjoying a meal or skating on the canal or running errands or just going on a run. It's not just those things. It's I'm constantly being formed more and more into the person that God has called me to be as I'm sharpened, as I'm picked up, as I'm warmed by the people around me, by my godly community. Man, we need this rhythm. We need this rhythm. But honestly, it only works when we do it God's way. We have to push back against the world's vision of community that is self-serving, shallow, unforgiving, and without purpose. God's vision is this, Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To teaching and to fellowship, right there. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe and the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. Amen. God, let it be in our time. Let it be in our city. A community like this would be the most incredible testimony to the story of the gospel. If there was just a group of people, and I believe this kind of church we're building in Jesus' name, people from different walks of life, different ethnicities. Honestly, like I was out a couple, I was out a couple like last week with, with a group of guys and it's like, and I, I, I was telling Jane about who was there. I was like, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy. And Jane said to me, outside of church, there's no reason that that group of guys would be hanging out together. And man, that's what I love about the church. I love that it brings together people who otherwise have no reason to get together but it's people who can walk through life, through the good parts and the bads, who can break bread, who can be invited into each other's homes, who can experience signs and wonders. This is a community that God is after. And honestly, that is a testimony to the gospel. It is such a special testimony. That's why this rhythm matters. And you know, the first two rhythms, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, the first two rhythms, like they're pretty sequential, right? It's like you kind of have your, you know, your everyday daily, you know, you got your rhythm. Everyday abiding with him, right? Got that every single day. I'm abiding. I'm meeting with him every single day. I'm experiencing his new mercy that is there for me every single day. And then you have church, it's like a little less, you know, it's not every single day, but it's still like on rhythm, still, make, still right there. Come together. Maybe it's a little louder, right? because you got a bunch of people worshiping together. Bop, bop. <laughs> I was in church uh, when I was a kid. Again, weird church kid things. There was this guy um, that during worship, he would clap completely on his own rhythm. So like, you know, the standard like, you know, people would be clapping like this and he'd be like, <laughs> he would do that for all of the fast songs. As a kid, like, man, I honestly thought it was the weirdest thing ever. But the truth is, is that's kind of what the rhythm of community is like. The rhythm of community, it's more random. It's not happening every day. It's not maybe even happening every week, but it's a little bit more like scattered. Oh, dude, you want to come hang out? Oh, bro, you want to grab coffee together? Oh, should we go away for this weekend together? Oh, that'd be crazy. It's just kind of random. But all of it is, it's, it has this undertone of like, we're not just hanging out. We're actually doing this with the intent and with the understanding that it's growing me and stretching me in my faith, that it's marking me and making me more and more like the person that Jesus wants me to be. It makes me sharper and sharper. It marks my life. Doing this, it will cover us in dust. All three of these rhythms, they work together and build off of each other. And maybe, maybe it's just starting today with just that daily, that daily meeting with him. Just that. Maybe as I was talking, you're like, yeah, okay, I need to, I need to come to church every single day or every single week. 
I mean, you can come every single day. Nobody's going to be there most of the time, but or maybe it's like, no, actually what I need to do, I need to open my, my heart up again afresh and I need to, I need to devote myself to community. Maybe just start with one, but man, if you, when you get all three going, as they begin to blend together, it proclaims the message of the gospel to the world around us. Your today will be your testimony. Hey, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never made the decision to be a disciple of him, to, to be a Christian, and you've been listening and you feel like maybe there's been a little bit of like a pulling on your heart, I believe that that's God. I believe that God is speaking to you and that God is coaxing you into relationship with him. So what I'm gonna do in a second is I'm gonna pray a prayer and I'm just gonna invite me, wherever you're watching from, just to repeat after me. And we're, you know, if you're watching this live, there's gonna be people all around the city, again, maybe even all around the world, they're gonna be praying at the same time as you. We're gonna pray that prayer and then afterwards a link is gonna appear in the chat and you can click that to get connected and get more resources. So if you want to, if you want to, man, experience a relationship with Jesus who loves you, who died for you, who forgives all your sins and can help you live a holy life that is set apart, that is a testimony, just repeat these words after me as I pray. Dear Jesus, I give my life to you. I've fallen short time and time again, and I recognize that my life is better in your hands. I invite you to be Lord of my life and I pray that you forgive me for my sins. I commit my life to you. I love you. Amen. Hey, come on, let's give it up for these people. And for everybody else, I'm praying and believing that this week that God would continue to speak to you through this word, that God would continue to speak to you about these three rhythms, about abiding, about gathering together weekly, about living life in community. And I'm praying that God would solidify what we talked about today and that it would take root deep in your hearts and there'd be a great harvest from it. Local church, we love you so much. We'll see you next time. Have a great week. Bye.